Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to Navigate with IDNN. It's such a pleasure and honor to present this program once again. And I'm grateful to God for the gift of life. And also grateful to you for tuning in to listen to the program and also the platform that you've also given to us to share and to learn from one another. Thank you, MTN, for sponsoring this program and also for making it possible for us to learn as a people. Friends, the month has just started, and the theme that I chose to work on this month for our collective understanding and learning is about anger management. And in the last edition, which we had on Tuesday, we started the process of understanding anger, what anger is, and we stopped at the point where we said, this is the anger process. So I would like to do a short recap. I'll go back just a little then to move forward for us to consider the sessions for the day. And just in case you're joining us for the first time, the idea behind this theme for the month, just like we had ethics in the month of March, is to open up a new vista of learning to let us course correct in certain areas of items or things that we may not of necessity pay attention to, like anger, that could necessarily dissipate or amputate the call and the grace that we have as people. And so with all the pressure that has been presented to us in our environment, it is important as individuals that we are self-aware and the place of being self-aware makes you understand that anger is something to be managed. We had said that, not that it's a bad thing, but every individual is entitled to go through a process. And so, just to do a quick recap, we had said that anger is a two-step process. And the two-step process is about pain plus triggers. And those triggers will produce anger. First, there is a pain. It might be emotional like a feeling of loneliness, loss, or rejection. Or it could be physical, like a headache or a pain in your tummy. This is the fuel of anger. It's like a can of gasoline sitting there. The second part of anger is a trigger, the match that sets the can of gasoline on fire. Then there is the anger itself, which has three parts. I want you to remember that we talked about the five dimensions of anger that I referred to during the edition on Tuesday. But I would look at the physical reactions that this may portend. For example, you can have when our heart beats faster, when our pupils dilate, when we breathe faster, when our faces become reddened, and when our legs might turn to jelly. All of this is because our body is preparing for fight or for flight. Our emotional reactions, in addition to the anger, may include tears, sadness, pain, loneliness, and depression. These emotional and physical reactions 
influence our behavior when we are angry, both how we act and how we express our anger. And this might involve people swearing, people yelling. You might find yourself yelling, speaking loudly, talking faster, smashing, or even calling people names. All of this affects the other dimension. And so what is the other dimension outside of pain? It's about the trigger thoughts. Part of managing your anger is identifying what makes you angry and managing the root of the problem. Generally, like I said on Tuesday, there are two categories of things that make us angry. Hot buttons and triggers. Hot buttons are things that are true about ourselves that we may feel ashamed or try to pretend do not exist. Triggers are experiences that can remind us of or have us relieve some form of grief or trauma from the past. So, talking about personal hot buttons, do you know things about you that are true but you would prefer to avoid when people make comments about things that we are ashamed of or that we try to deny? We say that they are pushing our buttons. You hear that sometimes when someone says, you know, you're pushing my buttons. Could just be a simple comment that feels like a critique or a criticism. And that could come in any context. Now, depending on how well we have received our own items by way of shortcomings, you know, it plays back when someone makes a comment, for example, you don't belong here. The playback could be very severe. It could be that someone feels being insulted about his or her membership of a group or a workplace. It could be as bad as look at your head. You know, some of those things can push certain buttons when someone is conscious about how he or she looks. And you say, that is, for me, a personal hot button. Now, depending on how well we have accepted our own shortcomings or believe in them and how we respond to people's comments, you may have more or fewer hot buttons at different times of your life. A lazy Saturday afternoon that is interrupted by someone saying you never do anything around the house can push a lazy button and a guilt button at the same time. You might start thinking, should I be cleaning the bathroom right now? Or I knew I should have vacuumed before I sat down. You just get yourself into this space of, should I? Had I? Will I? Feeling bad about our bodies is another common hot button, like I said. You might secretly think, am I too fat? Am I too skinny? Am I too pale? Am I too dark? Too ugly? But, you know, all of this comes when you've been ringing some things to yourself. But then, when you are secure in yourself and securely understand who you are, there is no way comment from someone about your physical looks should become a hot button. I feel very proud of myself when I say I have a big head. It's okay. So if you tell me big head, it's okay. I say it's on my body. And that is water on the back of a dog. But some other person is just going to flare up because it's a personal hot button. Someone has touched on your physical structure. You are skinny. So what? 
Are you going to feed me? Oh, you are fat. And so what? Are you going to make me slim? All of those things, without you having a proper understanding of yourself, can now become a trigger. So, in terms of triggers, have you ever had an experience that reminded you so powerfully of something else that you could remember everything about, the original event? When people have survived a traumatic event, a small thing can bring a memory flooding back. These triggers can be a smell, a sound, an emotion, some form of gesture, or even a single word. Have you seen the rage that comes sometimes whenever they use or the word rape comes out? You imagine the kind of trauma that goes to many people who probably have gone through that unsavory you know, moment on their life that they never want to talk about, but becomes a trigger when they are either reading or these, the words are being spoken about another incident in which they find themselves hearing or listening to. That trigger in itself can bring out such humongous anger on the inside. And so it's important that we all understand our triggers because triggers are a powerful reminder when it comes to anger. A trigger can bring a memory of an argument or conflict flooding back and all the physical effects such as the increase in your heart rate the flushed face or the tense muscles would recall. Even if you are not in the midst of the conflict, but observe it, the trigger can stimulate your memory. Being aware of your triggers and how you behave when they occur are important steps in learning healthier behaviors. And so I want to give more or less some kind of tip by asking that, if you don't mind, if you find that you are one of those that anger is a major challenge for you, I want to give you a few tips and I want to ask you to do some little exercise by way of not just listening to me, please take a pen and take a notebook or a parchment and come through this process. And this process is about using an anger log. So, using the anger log, what does it mean? It is an effective way to explore what your own triggers and hot buttons are, as well as your reactions. It is to keep an anger log in that form. Keeping an anger log will help you to become more aware of the number of times that you become angry, as well as what your reactions are. If you consciously commit to raising your emotional intelligence about anger, you'll find that your reactions become more constructive. You can then focus on moving ahead rather than being stuck in a pattern of repeating unhealthy behaviors. There are different terms for an anger log. Some try to put a positive spin on it and call it something different. However, we are looking at managing anger as a positive development in your life. So calling it an anger log keeps it real and helps you to do what? To focus. When you come through those moments and then you get to the office, you suddenly become so, you know, aggressive, 
So every morning, people are always like, what is wrong with you? Why is it that when you come to the office in the morning, the first thing you do, you come with so much aggression? You know, if you don't take a cursory look into it, and that's why you have an anger log, you may not really spot the gorilla as that portion near your office or the junction where you have the 5, 10, 15 minutes of madness exhibited by other road users who automatically create a trigger by letting you, you know, lose everything. And as you're approaching that part, then you say to yourself, oh no, not again. Many times at that moment, because you have not traced it, to see it is the root cause of why you look or you sound or you come across as aggressive early in the morning is because of that spot. But now that we have talked about it, now that you've located it, there are options that will come to play. Number one, why don't I use for an alternative route? Even if it's going to be longer. So I do not mind leaving home a little earlier than I would naturally do in order not to pass this so-called trigger-mounted route that will bring the worst in me. So that is a vivid example that I want to put on the table. And I also want you to understand that an anger log, like I've proposed, helps you not only to focus, but to be real. Because every situation is different. And you may just decide to turn it into a story. In order to remember the steps that you took in the previous, you can easily use a different pattern. You can take a storytelling pattern and begin to look at it in that simple space. So, for example, I can tell you a simple acronym like CEFAC, S-E-F-A-C. The S stands for story. The E stands for examine beliefs. The F stands for feelings, the A stands for actions, and the C, a challenge. So you might have an anger log that would look like this. If you take your pen and take your paper, just write this. You put the date, and then we start with the S, which is a story. I want you to describe what happened in less than three lines. If you write more than three lines, you will focus on the situation or the other person and actually become angrier. So I don't want you to, you know, don't write more than three lines. The second is the examined beliefs. Now, what beliefs, distorted thinking patterns and judgments contributed to this situation? So if you take the one I talked about, the traffic situation that culminates into that aggressive nature and attitude early in the morning, you will then see that the E in CEFAC here, examine beliefs, you need to you know, understand what beliefs, distorted thinking patterns and judgments contributed to that situation. Then here comes the F, which is the feelings. What feelings were you experiencing at the time? We know that you were angry. Of course, yes, you were angry. But how would you describe it? Remember the first assignment I gave you on Tuesday? How would you describe your anger spasms? How would you describe it? How would you describe how the environment and the people around you respond or react to your anger spikes? 
What was the intensity like on a scale of 1 to 10? Where 1 is not angry at all, and 10 is when you flew off the handle, and the scariest reaction you can imagine having. The A in that Angalog Sefak example, remember the S is a story, the E examine beliefs, the F is for feelings, the A actions. What did you do about it? Here, my friend, you can write more than three lines. Develop your emotional intelligence as you expand your library of anger response options. This will also give you a concrete record of how you apply anger management techniques. This is exactly the kind of process that you'll be taken through if you were to see a shrink or to go see a psychologist. That is what I'm prescribing for you, but I'm not a professional. I'm neither am I a psychologist, neither am I a medic, but I'm just sitting from a simple principle that I applied and read and thought about in the course of my life and career and what I've had to go through because I've also had my own moments of anger. Yes, I do not have that as an issue. That I know. Because for me, I don't allow anything to bother me. If I'm upset about something, 60 minutes, it's done. You can't find me bloating after 60 minutes. Over what? Why? Because I just say to myself, it's not worth my breaking my head over. So no matter how bad, how severe you may look at an item, no matter how angry I may be perceived to be, trust me, 60 minutes, I'm off, I'm out. You can't find me carrying it consistently. No way. Because it is injurious to the health. I know it. The C is a challenge. This is a fun way to walk through your anger. Challenge your own assumptions about the event or that particular event. Look at the judgments that you are making. Talk about what happened, the actions you took, and the healthiest way to resolve the problem. Friends, let me say this to you. Part of the cost of anger would be the relationship. But the biggest cost of anger over time is your health. Mental health, physical health, and overall health. Your well-being. If you don't manage it well, I'm sorry. You would have yourself to blame. So what I'm asking you to do in taking the anger log is to get some practice about using it. Just put the event. I mean, at the end of the day, it is an end of play thing. End of day, as you sit back in your living room or lie down on your bed, you want to have a reflection of the day, especially if you are someone given to having hunger spikes. If you know that anger is one thing that could cause you to derail, this is the exercise for you. But if you are normally in the five-minute stuff, you just see something, you get upset and you move on, not necessarily, except, of course, you have not you know, realized that this could be a deterrent to something better or something bigger. But if it's just your normal everyday, listen, you don't need to keep an anger low. But this is for the chronic cases. You need to start practicing how to use the anger log. You need to start thinking of the incidents 
that happened daily. What you did, the date, the story, the beliefs, the feelings, the actions. And after that, you look at the challenge. So when you go through all of these, my dear friends, you then realize that there are questions you'll be asking yourself. And that major pace will be, how does anger really affect my thinking? How does anger affect your thinking? How does anger affect our thinking? Then the big question is, is anger the best response? Sometimes we find ourselves responding to particular events with anger. And because we always respond with anger, we begin to think it is the event itself that is making you angry. However, the culprit isn't the event. It is how you interpret the event that makes you angry. We cannot physically respond to every person or event with anger. The law, social norms, and common sense places limits on how far we can let our anger go. That is, you don't have monopoly and the freedom of anger. There are things to put you in check, a.k.a. the law. You cannot say, because I was angry, I shot him. Oh, the law will catch up with you. You cannot say, because I was angry, I assaulted him. Like the numerous times we see people being assaulted. It is wrong. You can't place it on anger, because anger is not infinite. As well, anger can affect your thinking. Memory, creativity, and concentration will weaken. Your thoughts become accusatory when you look at the past. Remember I talked about pain? God forbid that you are someone who's been going through some domestic violence or you have abuse in whatever form, either as an employee, a servant, a caretaker, or whatever. Could be a son, it could be a daughter, could be a child. That whole notion of abuse, it gets into one part, the memory bank, and it stays there. Over time, as you grow, you'll find that your thoughts become accusatory, exaggerated, and rigid. You treat assumptions as facts. You may become irrational. And that is why, especially in the workplace, you find certain people, when there is an issue on the ground, they tend to exaggerate. They tend to come with an accusatory type of dimension. Such people are suffering from the pains of the past. They're suffering from a space where anger had eroded their thinking. And so their memory banks are all working within a concentration of being weakened given the events of the past. And so to help you determine whether anger is your best response, I need you to ask yourself, is my anger helping me or hurting me? If the answer is hurting, it is a message that your anger is needless. It is making the situation worse. In these type of instances, it is time to respond how differently. The art of anger management, that is being able to transform anger from a negative experience into a positive one, is learning how to use your thoughts 
and feelings and behaviors so they work for you, not against you. And so, my dear friends, I believe this first half of the journey, you would have seen and walked with me through the process where we talked about the pain plus the trigger thoughts equals anger and how it is important, especially for those that are really in a chronic state with anger management, that you have an anger log and how we are going to move into a next phase. We'll be taking a short break and when we get back, I'll walk you into the other aspects of what we need to look at, especially as we ask the question, is anger the best response? Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends, from the break. I hope you've had so far a great time in understanding anger. And just in case you're just tuning in, I bid you welcome to the program Navigate with IDNANG. I have the privilege of hosting this program, and I'm grateful to God for the opportunity to share with you and also learn from you. And perhaps, you know, you have any questions. For those of you that have been on this journey with me, please remember that you can send a personal note to contact at navigatewithid.com. The ID is spelled IDY. For those that just want to be passive friends, you can follow me on any of my social media handles at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. That's the handle for Twitter, for Instagram, and of course for Facebook, it's IDNA. Before we went on the break, we're looking at the opportunity of using an anger log, an anger log and the way it would help us to manage the triggers and the hot buttons. And I did say that we could use an acronym called CEFAC. CEFAC meaning S-E-F-A-C. S being the story, E being the examining the beliefs, F talking about feelings, A actions, and then the C, the challenge. It was more or less a graphic template that I gave to everyone who may be going through that process because I want you to consider your anger and get some practice on how to begin to deal with it. And so recording these events on a daily basis would help you get to a track where you will then ultimately ask yourself the question, how does anger affect my thinking? And the big question you'll be asking yourself after that is, is anger the best response to me? And I did say because before we went on the break that truly anger can affect your thinking because of memory, creativity, and concentration can get weakened. Why? Because your thoughts over time can become accusatory, can become exaggerated, and even rigid because you'll be treating assumptions as facts and you may soon become irrational unknowingly. So the question you'll be asking yourself is, is my anger helping me or hurting me? If the answer is hurting, it is a message that your anger is needless. It is making the situation worse. And in this instance, it is better for you to respond differently. So let's talk about distorted thinking. We know that how we think about things determines to a large extent or degree what we experience. And this is particularly true about anger. 
anger is a strong emotion and can quickly become irrational even when it seems justified. Use cold, distant logic with yourself to avoid your thoughts becoming distorted, friends. And the most common forms of distorted thinking are, number one, magnifying. Number two, destructive labeling. Number three, imperative thinking. And number four, mind reading. Let me start with the first one, which is magnifying. Remember, we are talking about distorted thinking. This type of distortion turns the consequences of a negative event into a catastrophe. For example, if you usually get angry when you are two minutes late for a meeting or you miss a particular call, you are probably magnifying the problem. Ask yourself if you are making a mountain out of a molehill. Do you have a tendency to take something that is unfortunate and turn it into the worst possible situation? There are some things you can do to control your tendency to magnify a bad situation. This is exactly what social media has done to us as a people. Social media has, in a way, given a lot of people who've gone through a process of pain and some form of trigger thoughts because of magnification now and that past, that trigger into that past, that trigger that brings about the accusatory element makes them magnify a bad situation simply because there are things that have been done to push the button. Now, like I said, there are some things you can do to control your tendency to magnify a bad situation, even if social media is helping you to push the button. These three steps can help you neutralize your anger. Number one, make a realistic assessment of the situation. How bad is it really? How? How bad is it? You may just find out that you're reacting over nothing. Number two, be very precise and accurate in the language you use to describe the bad situation. For example, this wasn't the worst restaurant you have ever eaten at. The soup was cold and service was slow. That's the way that you can describe the feeling. You can then look at it if it's within the context of magnifying. You say, that is the worst restaurant I've ever seen in my life. There is nothing fine about it. The food was cold. The waiters were terrible, sloppy, smelling. You're beginning to magnify what didn't exist. All you were presented with was the soup, which was cold and the service was slow. So why go into the smell factor, the dress factor, the all factor, magnifying? You don't need it. So be precise and accurate to neutralize your anger. Number three, just look at the whole picture, not just the annoying piece. Because many times we focus on the annoying piece. In the case of this restaurant, it could just be the soup. And the soup probably was just the first course. You had the main dish. You probably had some dessert. You had a glass of wine. You had some drinks. And in the scheme of things, it was just that one piece. I'm not saying that one piece is not important, but don't make it the main piece. Look at the whole picture and say, okay, yeah, well, if they didn't get... On a scale of 10, they didn't get one right, so 
90% is also good. Here are some coping thoughts that you can use by telling yourself, yes, this is frustrating, but it's not the end of the world. That's why I say to you, for me, 60 minutes. Now, what can make my 60 minutes turn into three minutes or 180 minutes is a reaction of the other party by not being mindful of what I'm going through. And this is the crux of where we have issues, managing our anger. You can be very upset about something. And the other party, rather than being mindful, rather than being sensitive, continues to pour some more gasoline and drops the match and makes the thing highly inflammable. This is where you now say to yourself, oh my, you want to bring it on, let's take it on. And then, boom, there's an explosion. But if you say to yourself, it's just a setback, it's not what getting all bent out of shape for. I'm not going to break my head over this. Trust me, my friend. You've just demagnified some huge bubble and you've just put the pin to the balloon. That's how you can deal with it. Remember I talked about the second part, which is destructive labeling. This is an extreme form of overgeneralization and we do it so well in this country. Unfortunately, when you use destructive labeling, you broaden one or two qualities into a negative global judgment about labeling people from different parts of the country. Oh, that person is a headsman. That one is a servant. That one is a liberal. That one is a kidnapper. Or people from this part are this. Destructive labeling creates and perpetuates anger. And unfortunately, we are in a situation where many people are living in the pain that they've gone through some bad, bizarre situations and we are gravitated in the media. I hope one day that I'll be able to sit up either watching the news on television or taking a newspaper to read and the headlines will be streaming different, as different as the pump price is now 15 and a half per liter. But that will be the day. Or a dollar is now 100 naira. Can you imagine such labels, what they would do? For exchange, we need some form of headlines that are different. But look at our media. Destructive labeling creates and perpetuates anger because it forces you to focus on only the negative characteristics you find irritating in another person, community, or people. But where do we get all of that from? Most of it coming from word of mouth, social media, and the media as a whole. Sometimes we label others in an effort to protect our own self-esteem. That is not right. In your workplace, stop labeling people destructively because you don't realize that you are creating and perpetuating anger. So sometimes we wonder why people are you know, angry about a certain sect or a certain thing. It's all coming from destructive labeling. However, when you hear yourself labeling someone, please step back and describe the annoying behavior with precision. Don't exaggerate. Don't magnify. Don't call your colleague a loser. Don't call your boss a jerk. Don't call your girlfriend a hag. No, don't. 
destructive labeling. So here are some coping thoughts that you can use. Ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I swearing? You could say to yourself, listen, yes, I feel frustrated and things aren't going the way I'd like them to do. But you know what? I can cope. I'm going to cope. That's better. That's how you can cope with that situation. The third point about imperative thinking. This is when you have a list of inflexible rules about how you and others should act. Being rigid. For example, you should have called me back right away if you weren't interested. Who said you have monopoly of cult or the latitude to be called? Imperial, imperative thinking creates anger because it implies that we are entitled to get what we want in a specific situation. This happens a lot in relationships. You wonder why husband and wife are having issues or would be friends in a courtship, in a relationship, why they are breaking up. Today, couples just decide to go different ways. They probably just married for a month, six months, under five years, less than seven years. And you wonder what's getting into your head. It's imperative thinking. It creates anger because we have this sense of entitlement to get what we want. Who said you have the entitlement to get what you want in a specific situation? That's why it's a marriage. That's why it's a relationship. That is relations in a ship. We are relations in a ship. The ship does not belong to you. Neither does it belong to me. All we do is we need to relate in the ship. That's why it is called relationship. Relate in the ship, not outside of the ship. If you go outside of the ship, then you are not part of the relations. Or that people should be the way we want them to be. Then when our imperatives are violated, we think an injustice has taken place in your dreams. Violating our own self-requirements, for example, thinking I should have done a better job, also creates anger because we perceive the violation as a failure. Sometimes we put ourselves under due pressure. Usually what this means is that we have unrealistically high expectations. Stop going into a relationship with a guy with too high expectations. You will bust your bubble. Don't go into a relationship with a lady with so much high expectations. She might bust your bubble. Seek to understand first before you begin to plant a garden. This is a trait we often see in a chronically angry person. And here are some coping thoughts that you can use. You can begin to tell yourself, I'm not being reasonable here. I need to cool down. You may begin to also look out for your accountability partner and look out for someone that can speak to you at that moment. Now, if you use the word should, must, or always, stop yourself and ask, is that really true? Because many times we are not truthful to ourselves. We, are, we live in denial or self-effacing denial that you are presenting a picture that is not you, but you want people to believe because you've shown yourself on social media. You live in face me, I push you. Yet you take pictures in the garage or in an estate where there are plush, lush cars. You want people to think you are in the A grade, whereas you are an E grade. Why don't you just belong where you belong and trust God to help you grow? Because in trying to belong where you don't belong, you start fooling yourself and inflating your ego and that ego will bring some thoughts, the feelings. And before you know it, you live a magnified life. And one day the bubble will burst. Just by one statement someone will make, you will violate your own self-requirement and see that, wow, 
this person has violated me. No, that person didn't. You did. Because you did what? You set unrealistically high expectations that you wanted everybody to believe. Let me go to mind reading. With this type of distorted thinking, remember we are talking about distorted thinking, you rarely check out your presumptions. Instead, you act as if they were true. For example, you may think, if my co-worker respected me, he would have asked for my opinion. Since it doesn't, I will ignore his impute too. Think about what you do in your courtship, in your marriage. If my husband respected me, he would have asked for my opinion. Well, since he did not, I will ignore his impute too. And then you decide to go on your own charade, mind reading. Clearly, we don't have the power to read someone else's mind. So stop it. Many of us just think that I know how you will behave. Are you God? Often these presumptions become self-fulfilling prophecies. I've always looked at how people decide destructive labeling. As I speak through all of this, think about our country, Nigeria. And think about what we have created with our own mouth, with our own lips, with our own minds. We have magnified issues, taking social media as a Bible, without even bothering to read and cross-check, be believe, and so on. WhatsApp, follow. You forward. Oh, you have not read the story. You've not asked yourself, is this true? And of course, with certain people in the society, they will do a short video, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 and they will drop it, then you will carry it. Because they are populists in their minds. They just want you to see. They want to fuel their followers because they want to make money from their YouTube handle. You don't know that they want to make Forex because Forex is now scarce. And then if they do a small video, they will come up and you keep forwarding. Forwarding agent, continue. They magnify what is not. And in the magnification, there's destructive labeling. Oh, thank you, media. Thank you for making it headlines. Have you thought about it that for a very long time, we hardly start no news item, either reading in the press, listening to radio, watching television, nothing great about the news. It always starts on a bad note. You will always hear bad news. And every day, bad news, bad news, bad news. After a while, we tend to now believe that bad is the order of the day. But can't we just turn, the, turn it right side up? I beg most of you that are editors in whatever medium, try and help the country. Because overgeneralization is destroying us as a people, destroying families, destroying relationships, destroying co-workers, destroying industry. And there's a lack of trust in our environment. Why? Because we don't know that the product of destructive labeling, the product of magnifying is a distorted thinking. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. You wonder why Nigerians are so? Because we have magnified too many things that are not real. And then we've applied destructive labeling. After that, we then turn into a space where we begin to have this imperative thinking. Imperative thinking creates anger because it implies that we are entitled to get what we want in a specific situation. Who made you a judge and a jury in the court that you must feel so entitled? Go anywhere in our country, just on the back streets, you'll find the youths put a blockade and they'll come out and tell you, we have just put this on, pay us before you pass. 
and we pay them. Imperative thinking. They are angry because they are venting their anger on the passerby, on a taxpayer potential. Assuming that person pays tax because not everybody walking around that pays tax. You are in your car. You choose to step out and somebody walks up to you and says, Oga, please give me a ride. And you say no. And the person gets angry and does bangs. Next minute you get is some abusive behavior. Why? Imperative thinking. We have fueled entitlement. And we wonder how did it start? Rather than people coping with it, the bottom of the pyramid is the issue. Our leadership, the issue, because they don't see it. Look at the other day. I just saw a mammoth crowd trying to stop one of the executives of a state. And what do they do instead? Either ask their security men to come and clear the way, or it looks like a campaign rally. Why? Imperative thinking. The people have gone into another space. Then there's mind reading. This distorted thinking about how can you know what is on my mind? The average Nigerian is a mind reader. Ah, I sabi them. I know them. Ah, these people, this is what they are going to do. But you know what? The politicians have sat in a school of mind reading. And they know that come every four years, all they need to bring about is gugura anekpa. Or to bring a labeled rice, labeled beans or gari, stack them. When they stack them and they release them, mudu by mudu. People will collect them and say, after all, it's our money. For how long? It's anger, friends. Anger at the base. I just want you to know that most of what we have been doing is looking at your behavior, my behavior, over the long term. I'm making you and I aware of what has been going on in our minds. That's what happens. This includes the fact that the thoughts that trigger your anger, the distorted thoughts that can fuel your anger, and the thoughts you can use in place of these. If you can get a handle on the type of self-talk or inner dialogue that goes in your head all day and have some different coping strategies, you will have made a big start towards getting your anger under control. And I want to ask you, that please do me a favor. If you've gone through the exercises I asked you to do, you can feel free to send a mail to me. The email address is contact at navigatewithid.com. The ID is spelled IDY. But then, if you want to now follow through, I'll ask that you go follow Corporate Shepherds. It's C underscore Shepherds. That's on Twitter. You can also tag at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. That's my personal handle. So you can get part of what has been said in the past, just in case you're tuning in. Because on Twitter, you're going to see the entire thread run through on Corporate Shepherds. And so as I leave this aspect, I want to step into a space where I want you and I, for the limited time I have left for this particular edition, Understanding behavior types. Understanding behavior types. Friends, I know that time is very limited. And so to that extent, in the next session that we'll have on Tuesday, I will continue from where I've stopped and we'll be looking at understanding behavior types. I want you to see the kinds of behaviors that come through 
from being aggressive to being manipulative to being passive, etc., etc. As we look at them and understand how they come through as byproducts of anger and how we need to manage each of these. Thank you so much, friends, for listening. Such a pleasure, and I hope you found it very useful. We'll be very grateful to get your feedback. Please do send me an email, contact at navigatewithid.com. Mention it a few times on the program. Or better still, just hit the tweet at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G, or better still, to corporate shepherds at C underscore shepherds. And whatever you've sent, I'll be more than happy you know, to get your feedback on the subject of understanding anger and anger management. Thank you so much for listening and God bless you. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.